So pastor um, asked me to speak on the fragrance of Christ. And uh, the day he asked me that, uh, unknown to him, was the day that my mom went into the hospital. So I was in a topsy-turvy world. I was nowhere near thinking, preaching or anything. And um, I didn't want to um, bring up, oh, no, we've got problems and stuff like that. I kind of just kind of waited a little bit and I said, I'll prepare. And I think the preparation um, is I am a constant work in progress, as I believe we all are. I am a constant work in progress. And so um, the reading is from 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. Um, it says, now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one, we are the aroma of death leading to death and to the other, the aroma of life leading to life. And who is sufficient for these things? For we are not as so many peddling the word of God, but as of sincerity, but of from, as from God, we speak the, in the sight of God in Christ. Amen. The fragrance of Christ. When I looked at the uh, definition of fragrance, fragrance is a pleasant, sweet smell. That's what a fragrance is. And uh, as we look at verse 15, God calls us both a fragrance and an aroma. And it exercised my mind, what's the difference between a fragrance and an aroma? And uh, as I did a bit of reading and research, fragrance uh, will relate to a sweet smelling, uh, pleasant smell that may be derived from flowers or perfume or something like that. Whereas an aroma is more savory. It's pleasant, but it's more savory than the sweetness of that. It's all pleasant, but it's savory. And uh, I thought about, um, you know, uh, where in the scriptures fragrance and aroma were used. The very first place I'll go to, and I've got quite a few scriptures to uh, reference, and I will just plead with you to read them for yourselves. Exodus chapter 30, verse 22, and verse 32, to verse 32, 22 to 32. This was where um, God was giving instruction to Moses about uh, the tabernacle, preparation for worship and all. And God instructed, and I'm just going to paraphrase this and believe that you will read it for yourselves. God instructed Moses in the making of uh, the holy anointing oil to be made according to the perfumer. This was to be used in anointing, the tabernacle, the utensils, as well as the ministers and to consecrate them to use. It's almost like without this anointing, without this fragrance being poured onto them, they would not be ready for use. Uh, and there was something very curious in this. And to be honest, I haven't really explored that, but it kind of caught my attention. Verse 32 actually says, God forbade the oil to be poured on man's flesh. I think that is a message for a whole new day, but just ponder that. God refused to have this poured on man's flesh. You know, the Bible says that uh, the flesh profiteth nothing, you know? 
the flesh profiteth nothing. So you can see this background there. And when I was looking for aroma, I went back to Genesis. We know the story of Noah. You know, Noah lived in a wicked um, period um, during our generations. And everybody did their own thing, did not fear God, did not love God, did not serve God. And uh, God spoke to Noah and uh, preserved him because uh, great destruction was coming to the world. And he preserved Noah and his immediate family and his um, um, a cohort of um, animals and, and birds and uh, insects and stuff so that the world could start again. This is today is not really about what God was doing at that particular time or what God was seeking to achieve. Today is about what happened at the end of this trying period for Noah and his family. Noah raised up an altar. And uh, we do know when we read the uh, scriptures in Genesis chapter 8, 20 to 22, I think we're all familiar, is that um, Noah took of all the clean animals that had been preserved with him and he offered a sacrifice. He built an altar and offered a sacrifice and he burnt these animals before God. And when God smelled the aroma of that sacrifice, it provoked something. It provoked the law of seed time and harvest that we are familiar with today. It says from now on, you know, the law of seed, seed time and harvest, sun and win winter, uh, you know, day and night will not cease. The aroma drew something out of God. So as we look at the uh, experience in the Old Testament with uh, Exodus, the use of fragrance to anoint and consecrate. And as we look at Noah, back in the Old Testament there, the aroma provoking a law, you know, and it's a perpetual law. We know that this fragrance and aroma are important factors in the economy of God. And I'm no economist. I read law and I'm practicing financial services at the moment. They may seem similar, similar but I tried to look at what the economy of God, I kept hearing that it's, this is important in the economy of God. And all it is, if you define a, a, an economy as a domain in which um, the production and use and allocation and management of resources operates, that's God's economy. So fragrance and aroma are important to God and they should be important to us. On Friday, my mom was about to bring a scripture, and I believe when we next meet, uh, Pastor had parked that one from Matthew 26, verse 6 to 13. It was the experience of the woman who came with the alabaster box. We're familiar with that story. She came and broke an alabaster box with expensive ointment, a fragrant ointment, and poured it on Jesus. And the disciples who were there were indignant. That's what uh, my version, King, New King James says. They were indignant. They, they thought that was such a waste. Jesus didn't agree with them. He had a completely different value system. He, he accepted her worship because that signified worship at another level. And it was a prophetic action because that ointment anointed, he, she poured it over Jesus and cleaned him, you know, uh, over his head, prepared him for one of his 
main tasks for coming into the world. And that is the death of, on the cross, the burial and resurrection. So this was significant. It was huge to God. It wasn't, uh, you know, I, and, they, and I think I, I, can, I can almost understand and relate with the disciples. Wouldn't it be better to just, you know, use this ointment, sell it, and help uh, 100 people, 2,000 people, rather than just throwing it on one person? But God is looking at our value system here. And Jesus demonstrated his value system. He will receive our worship and our prophetic actions. So these were some of the background um, scriptures that I read. And then I began to examine uh, myself as to what is the fragrance. I think one of the first things that you look at um, in both fragrance and aroma, you notice that the, pro the process of uh, making a fragrance, I was listening to, I was trying to listen to perfumers, you know, how they make this. It's not an easy process for the, for the elements that they use, you know? It involves crushing, you know, uh, grinding, mixing. Those don't sound like uh, pleasant experiences, at least not from the flower's perspective, maybe from us, because when we break and, 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 um, and crush and mix and uh, age and, and let all this sweetness, to get that sweet fragrance to come, there is a process, it is a process. And the process is uh, seemingly a painful one. For the aroma, if we look at uh, Noah's uh, sacrifice, we can see that uh, the aroma didn't come from just being sat there. Some, something had to burn, you know? And uh, when that burnt, what went up was the aroma. So burning isn't necessarily a pleasant experience. But just note those two um, important elements or factors about fragrance and aroma. And I began to think, what is the aroma? And I tried to break down the scripture. And I won't be long. I, I don't think I will be long. Because all I had at the beginning, until I sat down here on the table and asked, Holy Spirit, you're going to have to tell me what to say. And I believe this is where God led me with this. What is the fragrance of Christ? You know, if we look at verse uh, 14, it says that, uh, yes, the Lord leads us in triumph, always, yeah? And through us, he diffuses. Do you know what to diffuse is? It's to spread, okay? So the first thing you will notice about this is that um, in order to spread, what did the woman with the alabaster box do? In order for that ointment to be used, she had to break the flask and open it. So there's a breaking in order for that fragrance to go out. It doesn't happen, you know, on easy street. It happens in the place of breaking. And we too must begin to realize that to be of the fragrance for us to be diffused into the knowledge of God is that there will be a breaking. And I think all of us have experienced breaking at some level or other. And sometimes you think, you feel like you've actually had, you've been broken enough now. So, you know, God, give me a break. And, um, you know, you, you discover that it's a journey of constantly breaking, constantly breaking. I was uh, thinking of uh, something I heard, you know, when a woman is, um, is in the birthing process, as I believe we are in various uh, aspects in our lives, you know, what words is she comforted with, you know, during that most painful, painful period? What is the, 
words that women share with me. What word do you keep hearing in that delivery room? Push! <laughs> Push when it's painful. You know, you can't afford to relax. At that birthing, at the birthing process, there is a pushing, pushing, pushing. That is what when you will be able to celebrate new life. If you don't push, you could jeopardize your own life and the life of what you're bringing forth. And in a similar way, in order for the fragrance to be diffused, there's got to be a breaking. You know? There's got to be a breaking. And so I began to uh, look at um, some ways in which how are we, what is the fragrance of Christ? The first one um, came up, is it is a fragrance of self denial. If we look at Matthew chapter 16 and verse 24, the fragrance of Christ is a fragrance of self-denial. The Bible says, if anyone will follow after me, let him deny himself, take up the cross and follow. We cannot diffuse or express the fragrance of Christ without self-denial. The second um, point that the Lord brought to my heart was that the fragrance of Christ is a fragrance of a whole new value system, a whole new value system. And I will still go back to the book of Matthew, chapter 26, where Jesus demonstrated this. You know, our value system thinks, let's look after the poor. Let's do, those are all good things. But heaven's value system looks at worship and prophetic action as more important. We cannot afford to, or we cannot effectively diffuse the fragrance of Christ if we do not know how to distinguish between what is valuable or eternal value and what is of fleeting value. And often in my life, I have had to go through that painful, experience of having to let go of a lot of great things, good things. I like stuff and I like good things, but uh, when there is a tension between the good stuff and uh, the stuff that we acquire and accumulate and pour our time and resources into acquiring, we must examine ourselves. Are we giving sufficient time, resources, effort, into things of eternal value. The salvation of souls is of eternal value. So it is worth giving our time to. The worship of God is of eternal value. So it is worth us giving our money, our resources, our time, our attention, our focus, and our devotion to. To be the fragrance of Christ, we need to uh, consider that it is a fragrance of a whole new value system. I haven't put this in the order, in any particular order. And I won't even say that um, that's the way I was led, but these are just things we need to reflect on. You know, Let's look at uh, Luke chapter six, verse 27 and 32, just to see a practical implication of what this change of value system is. And I just picked a few examples from there. The Bible says, love your enemies. <laughs> that is of eternal value system. The world tells us, you know, the world value system says, hate your enemies, you know? 
The Bible says, do good to those who hate you. The world says, revenge, you know, pay them back, you know, get even. That does not, is not, is not consistent with heaven's value system, you know. Bless those who curse you. The world says, no, 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 don't bless, curse back. In fact, sadly, this wrong doctrine, this value system has found itself, has snuck into some religious in the back to sender. You know, if they do this to me, I do that back to them and we have no compassion. The Bible says in Luke chapter six, verse 27 to 32, it says, give to every, you know, when I read this, I underlined everyone, <laughs> everyone who asks from you, begs from you, give. We had a conversation with my son in the car yesterday as we were coming from somewhere and um, he was saying, uh, you know, there are these people who sit outside the supermarket, most of them, uh, we don't go into their story, but we know where they are. And uh, I remember I met one when I was going to one supermarket and we were standing by the gate there and um, he was asking for change. And I had a penny, a pound in my car and I opened that, rolled down the window and I gave him the pound. The woman who was before me gave him a, a bag of food or sandwich. I'm not uh, saying that it's wrong to do, to do that. But as we had that discussion and I said, you know, if I'm going to uh, give them food instead of a penny, you, you know, I, I have to be more engaged and more invested in their lives to understand how they ended up there. Because it's so easy to assume that, oh, they are just druggies. They are worthless. They will waste this and they'll do that. So I am going to intervene and I'm going to only intervene by giving them food. And I, I was telling my son, I said, yeah, it's good, but I think that that now asks me, if I'm going to give them food, I need to stop and find out what's actually going on there. Because just giving them a sandwich and walking away hasn't done anything. It's no better than giving them a coin. So I'll do that. Give to everyone who begs from you. Totally whole new value system. It may sound foolish. It may sound a waste. But if we're going to be the fragrance of Christ, we have to adopt heaven's value system. Amen. The third uh, point is that the fragrance of Christ is a fragrance of total obedience. Total obedience. And uh, for that, the scripture backing is Philippians chapter 2 from verse 8. You know, the scriptures tell us there that, you know, Jesus did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he was obedient, obedient even unto death, you know, and therefore God elevated him. The level or the standard for obedience is that and no less. We can dumb it down and do what is suitable for us, but are we then being the fragrance of Christ? If we are going to be the fragrance of Christ, it is his standards, his way or no way, I believe. Uh, the fourth point is it is a fragrance of self-denial. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. I think we've already mentioned that one. Uh, verse, uh, the, the fifth one is the fragrance of Christ is the fragrance of humility. Recently, I had uh, an encounter with God on this. You know, we read from James chapter 4, verse 6, that God resists the proud and he gives grace to the humble. 
And sometimes we, we read things and they just roll off our tongues and we don't really evaluate. But at the moment recently, when I sat down and I started to evaluate my actions, my conduct, you know, what motivates me. And to be very honest with you, I was scared. <laughs> I was scared because it, it occurred to me that God resists the proud. <laughs> you know, that was, that's a scary proposition. You see, um, I, re- I heard someone say that God is the kind of employer who fires you and lets you continue working. <laughs> you know, there's no actual movement there, but he's already fired you. You know, like Saul, if you remember King Saul, you know, uh, when Samuel went to plead uh, about Saul, he says, don't even talk about him anymore, you know, because I have my heart as He was still king for a few more years. Um, doing that, and go and anoint David, and someone say, "How can I do this?" You know, Saul will kill me. God gave him a strategy for that to replace Saul long before Saul was killed eventually. You know, and uh, I had a moment, I think a few weeks, when I really, really began to examine my actions. I began to examine what motivates me, whether I'm coming from a position of pride or a position of humility, because like you and me, I do not want God to resist me, you know? I want God to give me grace. The fragrance of Christ is a fragrance of humility. There are several scriptures there. In Philippians chapter two itself, where Jesus humbled himself, you know, and accepted death and obeyed unto death. Uh, First Peter chapter five, verse five to six as well, talks about the humility, you know, as well there. The fragrance of Christ is a fragrance of humility. And the final point I want to make, and it's not the least point that I want to make, is that the fragrance of Christ is a fragrance of love. You know, I was actually blown away a little bit because just when I finished writing my notes and I was uh, thankful to God that he had spoken to me, I felt really good. And the scripture he gave me was Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 to 39. We're familiar with this, you know, where um, is it the religious leader who says, what shall I do to this? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your strength, with all your mind. I may not be mixing it up and your neighbor as yourself. Love, it's a fragrance of love. We have had a few weeks in the Bible study, you know, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, where we said, you know, faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. You know, the fragrance of Christ is a fragrance of love. And the standard is quite a high standard, you know. It is a love, it's the agape love. It's not the convenient love. It's not the sensual love. It's not the, um, the you know, the, the, the kind of love, you know, there are so many loves that we look through. It's not those. It is that self um, sacrificial love of God. And um, so this is the fragrance of Christ. The fragrance of Christ, you know, you know, um, I think just one last point I want to make before I go to the end there, because I'm going to actually ask Mark to read uh, from, the, um, from the Passion translation for me, just to read verse 16 and 17, just so that we can close. But before we do that, Notice in verse 15, it says that the fragrance of Christ is, um, we, are the fra- we are the fragrance of Christ to those that are being saved as well as to those that are perishing. It's almost like, you know, there's a tension there. 
And uh, I, I believe there's much to explore there, Pastor, um, to, to look at this and examine it further. But it seemed to me that it's a side of, it's, a, it's like uh, one coin with two sides. You know, the scriptures that do say, I think it's in Romans or it's in Corinthians, where it says that the preaching of the cross is foolishness to those that are perishing. But to us, it is the power of God. It is the wisdom of God. So it's almost like it's this message, is, it's a consistent message. On one side, it will look this way because of the position of the, the person who perceives it. And on the other side, it will be life-giving. You know, so it's, it, it, there's no, there's no inconsistency, inconsistency there. There is just a, a difference in, from the way you perceive it. And you can choose which side you, you fall onto. So um, verse 16 in the New King James says, to the one, we are an aroma of uh, uh, death leading to, uh, to death. And to the other, we are an aroma of life leading to life. It's uh, what made me curious was this, and who is sufficient for these things? So Mark, if you can help me just read that last sentence of verse 16 and 17. And uh, verse 17, please. Uh, verse 16, the unbelievers smell a deadly stench that leads to death, but believers smell the life-giving aroma that leads to, leads to abundant life. And who of us can rise to this challenge? For unlike so many, we are not peddlers of God's word who water down the message. We are those sent from God with pure motives who speak in the sight of God from our union with Christ. Amen. Amen. That sums it up. That sums it up. Who of us can rise to this challenge? Self-denial obedience, love, a change in value system. It's almost the scriptures are calling us to rise to a challenge. It's calling us to rise to a challenge, you know? And there is, verse 17 seems to suggest that they are, there's actually another way of just peddling a watered down message. One that is suitable for us, one that is comfortable for us, one that we can live with, you know, we can accommodate and include in our program. And there is the true message here that is calling on each of us in that delivery room to push, to push, to be broken, to be burnt, to give of ourselves. That is, in summary, the fragrance of Christ. We are the fragrance of Christ to diffuse the knowledge of God, to diffuse the knowledge of God into a dying world. It's going to take, it's going to cost us it will cost us, but the reward is, is, is far better than the price we have to pay. Look at the woman with the alabaster box. Jesus said of her, wherever this gospel is preached, she got an eternal memorial. What value? We are the fragrance of Christ. Amen. Amen.